This is the Tactical Leader Podcast, where we're on a journey of self-mastery and true leadership. I believe that in order to lead others, you must first be able to lead yourself. And in order to lead yourself, you have to first know yourself. If you want to learn the tactics to get to know yourself, to lead yourself, and to lead others, stay tuned to hear from industry experts as I unpack the tactics that they've used to build their business, build culture, and lead others. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Tactical Friday. You heard from him this past Monday, and I am welcoming John Becker back to the show so we can talk a little bit more about the debrief, his podcast, his show, and everything he's putting out into the world. John, welcome back to the show, my friend. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate having me. Man, I'm pretty excited about this one because this does hit hard, and we talked a little bit off air, but it hits home for me as being an operator, something that's been in a lot of situations that I think that you really unpack on the debrief. I want to give the opportunity. Can you tell us, like, what's the intentionality of the podcast? What's the intentionality of you having these conversations that are difficult conversations? And then what is it that you're wanting people to get out of that? So the idea for the debrief started when one of our friends died. Um, we had a friend named Tim Anderson. Tim was a Marine colonel, a Fulbright colonel, and was a sergeant in LAPD, you know, early in SWAT, early in K-9, great tactical thinker, uh, was a guy who could fuse military and civilian doctrine ridiculously well. Tim got ALS. And, you know, when he died, a bunch of us were standing around and we kind of came to the realization, like, how much information did we lose by Tim dying? How many people will never hear what was living in Tim's head? And, you know, the, the problem with the tactical community is there is no vehicle through which we're capturing history. They're making history all the time. We're not capturing the history of how special tactics evolved. We're not capturing the history of, of how the doctrine developed. We're not capturing the stories. And part of that's because it's not safe for law enforcement and the military to talk to the media. Um, you know, it's, it's the media is spending much more time trying to get that got you moment than they are trying to get the actual story. And so in the process of having this conversation with several friends at the funeral, we came to the realization, like I said, somebody's got to do something and, and we need to find a you know, media organization that'll do this. And, and one of my friends who's, you know, has been on the show also said, look, we're not going to trust anybody. So if you want to do this, you're going to have to do it yourself because we'll talk to you and we know that you'll understand us and you'll never screw us. And so that was kind of the root for it is like, we need to tell these stories, but we need to do it in a way that these guys can be raw and they can be honest and know that if they misspeak, it's not going to end up being used against them. And so all of our guests see the episode before it's launched. So they're good with what's going downrange. And, you know, in the end, the goal was to capture these stories and to tell them um, to a broader audience and to try to give kind of the general public, we kind of have two audiences. We have a tactical user, you know, who might be a military guy, might be a law enforcement guy who, you know, maybe is a guy in a small rural SWAT team in Wisconsin who would never have an opportunity to interact with Sid Hale and Mike Hillman and, and you know, the guys that, that founded SWAT or, or Lee McMillian, who's the, the head of LAPD's SWAT team. Like that, that's an interaction that they would never have. So they get direct, you know, they get to directly hear from those guys. But then we also have kind of a tangential audience that's more of a business audience, a leadership audience, and, and people who don't necessarily totally understand what our end user does. And I think it, the platform provides an opportunity for people to hear these stories and see how thoughtful these guys are and how deliberate they are and how emotional a lot of these issues are. Um, there's been way more crying on the debrief than I anticipated that there would be. Um, you know, a lot of these stories are very raw. You know, you watch the episode with Ed Hinchy 
talking about his shooting and, and the injuries he sustained and the way his family was treated afterwards. And, you know, I've had a lot of friends that have, have listened to it and come back and said, I had no idea these guys were that smart. So I think that's kind of the two purposes. Yeah, I, I absolutely love each aspect of that because what you talk about it being an emotional piece of it, and people don't think about that as when you think the big old macho operator, right? You think about the guy that's doing the hard thing. You don't think about the emotion on the back end. Beyond that, it's not really even trained, right? They've, in law enforcement, they've started moving that way, but in the military, and I'm, I'm fresh out of the military, fresh out of um, a deployment where it's, you know, they don't talk about that that emotional side. You pack it up, you throw it in the closet with the rest of the skeletons, you keep moving on and continue mission, right? You don't unpack it. So when the emotion comes out, it ends up being a lot of emotion attached to things that if guys haven't dealt with, or if guys haven't talked about, or even if they have, it still is a, a tied piece to their core because there is so much uh, passion attached to it. And when you see a, a fallen officer or a fallen comrade, there's a lot that goes into how we deal with that. Is that something that when you're having these conversations that you see they're processing through it or they already have processed through it, this is part of the healing journey for the individual as well? You know, I think there are varying states of that. I think that um, we have made very bad choices with regard to the way we treat our tactical community, the way we treat our military operators, the way we treat our law enforcement operators. Um, you know, I think as a society, we've made a choice to sacrifice. We've decided that, you know, you might've spent 20 years in the SEAL teams doing just unbelievably horrific things and, and experiencing, you know, things that people should never experience at a volume that, that is amazing. But when your career's over, we're just going to forget about you and let you wander off. And, you know, you look at the suicide rate among veterans right now, you look at the suicide rate among our special operations community, you look at the suicide rate in the tactical community. When, when a terrible incident happens in law enforcement, if you go 10 years into the future, most of the people involved in that incident are divorced. A lot of them have drinking problems. A lot of them have ended their careers. Like, you know, the most recent one being Uvalde. 10 years from now, the guys that responded to Uvalde will not all be cops and they will not all be alive and they will not all be married. And there is, in the same way that there is a physical cost to our operators, there's an emotional cost. And it's very easy for us to put it in a box and pretend like it doesn't exist because, you know, it's, 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 it's much easier for us to just go, oh yeah, no, they're big, tough guys. It doesn't bother them. They are as emotionally scarred as they are physically scarred. And, and just like some people are more resilient to physical injury, there may be people that are more resilient to emotional injury. But, you know, you look at the special operations community. If you, if you haven't read Tom Satterley's book, which is called All Secure, you should read Satterley's book, right? Satterley is a, is a Delta operator. He literally was at the absolute tip of the American spear for 20 plus years doing every mission you've ever heard of and hundreds of them you've never heard of. Um, and, you know, got to the end of his career and was actively suicidal and physically broken down. And, and he talks about it. And what we're starting to see now is guys like that are, are emerging and talking about the physical consequences, the emotional consequences of the job. And I think we have to normalize the treatment of the emotional part of this as much as we normalize the treatment of the physical, right? If Zach's on a tactical operation and, and tears cartilage in his knee, we're going to go get Zach's surgery. But if Zach is not okay with what he saw, we're going to tell Zach to put it in a box, pretend like it didn't happen. 
or maybe he's going to lose his career because he might be crazy. And, you know, it's like all of the interviews that I'm doing, the, the first episode of season two is an interview with one of the operators, the Bataclan raid, which if you're not familiar with, you know, there was a huge terrorist attack in Paris. They hit the Stade de France. They hit a bunch of cafes and they ended up at the Bataclan theater with a concert and walked in three guys with AK-47s and open fire on the crowd. And one of the things this operator talks about is leaving the theater. After they, they conducted an amazing hostage rescue, I, they, they should have all been dead. They all survived. The hostage takers are both dead. The hostages all survived. Like it's one of the most successful hostage rescues in history. It's, it is, you, you can't do the math on how bad that could have been. But he talks about leaving the theater that night and walking out and hearing the blood sticking to his shoes on the floor and seeing all the cell phones ringing on people who were dead on the floor. And the effect it had on him and going home and like, you know, you, you go home and you take a shower and you go see your family. And so I, I, I think we need to tell those stories. And I think we, you know, as Americans, we need to have a moment of national reconciliation here where we start to treat the emotional injuries that people are getting in their jobs the same way we treat the physical and, and give these guys an opportunity to heal and, and, and be healthy when they retire. Yeah. That's a, uh, uh, Obviously, I could see how the conversations get very deep on your show because that is a huge piece. Um, and it's something I've experienced myself here in Atlanta, SWAT team. We shot and killed a guy and we were involved in a, a couple of shootings on things and then leaving to go into a larger theater in Afghanistan. Um, within uh, what was it, six weeks, I lost two of my own guys on that deployment with the Green Berets. And it, it turns into absolutely you have to continue mission and you don't unpack it right then and there, right? But if you don't unpack it at some point in that time frame, it builds up, it builds up, it builds up 18 months ago. And honestly, why I released my book, my book is that, that tipping point of 18 months ago, I was with a pistol on the end of a dock in my mouth. I mean, it, it was one of those, I was ready to go and become that statistic because it's not talked about. It's not um, really focused on very much. And there are men after men after men that I've known and I've met that have dealt with exactly what you're talking about. And it's a, a prevalent thing that's I've, that I've seen over 15 years where, you know, one is men, we don't talk about our emotions. And two is operators, we don't talk about our emotions. And it becomes something that it's like a volcano. When it erupts, it erupts. So I, I appreciate the fact that you're having these conversations because I think they're needed in so many different arenas um, that it has to be continued. That that conversation has to be continued, not only for operators, but for men to understand like this is something that is valuable for us to unpack and it is okay to do so. You know, it's interesting. I I think the first time we are in the first episode that we had Monday, we talked about making intentional choices, right? Don't, don't let choices be made for you. And, and I think as a country, we're allowing those choices to be made and we're making these sacrifices. And it's very easy for us to make those sacrifices because you're not the one standing at Andrews Air Force Base, watching them unload the kids, right? I, I remember very early in my career, I was probably, God, I don't know, six or seven years into my career. Uh, we were based in Arcadia. We knew everybody at Arcadia PD. I had fit them all for armor, I, you know, a bunch of good friends. Uh, one of the Glendora police officers, a guy named Louis Pompey was killed. Louis was in a grocery store and guy came in to rob the grocery store. He made a decision. He wasn't going to engage the guy because he was in a crowd of people. The guy started beating up a box boy that was a special needs kid, hitting him with a pistol. So Louis drew his gun, identified himself as a police officer and the guy's confederate who was behind Louis in line killed him. And I didn't know Louis, but we had a lot of common friends. And so when, when it came time for his funeral, 
it was it was the first law enforcement funeral that I went to with people that that knew the guy and were involved. And one of my closest friends at the time was a guy named Joe Bale. Joel was Joe was 6'4, 350 pounds of jovial, like you know the guy. You were with him in the army, you were with him in the PD. Everything's a joke. He laughs all the time. We sat with Joe. I watched Joe absolutely decompose and sob at Louis' funeral. Like he was he was destroyed because they were close friends. And I, I remember walking out with my wife and she said, man, that was terrible. You know, watching, watching his family receive the flag and his wife. And she goes, it was terrible. And I said, this event permanently changed me. And she said, why? And I said, because I now understand the consequences of my job. If I don't do what I do, this is what happens, right? And I think as a country, we need to understand that. It's easy for people to become statistics, right? It's easy to go, oh yeah, you know, Zach is one of 22 guys that killed himself. Zach's the only Zach. He's the only one with his family. He's the only one that has impacted the people that cared about him. And I think it becomes easy for us to marginalize these guys and 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 write them off. And, and I don't think it's fair. And I think it is something that we need to take the brightest light we can possibly point at it and make people pay attention to it. Because yes, we do have to have it, right? I, I want you to come and rescue my daughter if she's being held hostage. And sometimes that means that I'm going to trade your life for hers. And, and you know that going into it. That doesn't mean that when you survive that event, I'm going to let you be destroyed by inner demons because as a society, we fail to care. Man, I, I love it. And I, I love that you're having that conversation because everything you're saying right now on this show is absolutely right. And I love that you're able to have that platform overall, a communications platform to share those stories and share that journey with the world so we can start focusing on this in, in a different way in our society. Uh, to, to give the opportunity for the audience, where can they find more about you? Where can they find the show? How can they listen to more of these conversations you're having? So the show is The Debrief with John Becker. It's available on all the podcasts, you know, wherever you normally get your podcasts, whether it's YouTube or, you know, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Audible. It's literally on all of those. Um, the, we have a website, which is thedebrief.live. Um, and then social media, which you can link off of the website. Uh, new episodes are, are launched on the website. And then obviously, you know, if you subscribe to the podcast, you get it that way. But all the platforms will have new episodes. Um, we historically have launched every two weeks beginning in January. We're going to launch full episodes once a month. And then a compact, similar to the format you're using, actually, Zach, a compact episode that occurs on the third week with different topics. Uh, what we figured out is that the episodes are, you know, I think I told you earlier, like they're like a milkshake, right? You're you're not you're not going to chug th this podcast because yeah. it's heavy and the topics are heavy and and the the people are extremely smart and they talk about a lot of things and you know we're hearing from some of our people they're listening to the episodes two three four times, and so we're going to slow the cadence down a little bit to try and allow our audience to make sure that they stay kept up, but you know just anywhere you you consume your podcasts, you should find it there. I love it, John. Thank you so much for that, this conversation and those conversations. And overall, man, I appreciate your time today. Absolutely, brother. And congratulations on the launch of your book. And you should be proud of yourself being willing to bring that story to light because until guys like you are willing to talk about this, it doesn't change. So thank you for doing that. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Tactical Leader Podcast. If this episode helped you along your journey of self-mastery and has inspired you to do more, 
I challenge you to head over to myvoicechallenge.com so you can find out how you can discover your voice, claim your independence, and build that thriving business that you've always wanted. Again, that's myvoicechallenge.com.